Hello and welcome to the first episode of Disjointed Discussions. I'm your host, Nigel Cornelius, and this is a podcast where, I don't know, I just talk about whatever I want in each episode. I haven't really figured out the whole flow of it yet, but uh, today I've got with me two of my good friends, Jacob. How are you doing? And Greg. What's going on, bro? And uh, today I figured we'd uh, talk about uh, the top five albums or artists that were most influential in our lives. So that's not the best albums that we think, but the most influential uh, but before we start that, just thought I'd ask you too. What have you guys been listening to lately? Hmm. Well, for me, I nothing new has really come out recently that's really piqued my interest. I mean, in the summer, Donda and Certified Lover Boy kind of took over the charts, but they were both flops in my opinion. Mid. So, uh, um, for me, I've been going back into like not like late '90s East Coast rap, trying to get more into that. That's where I live. Yeah, That's where I'm living right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm not even really listening to anything new. Like, as both of you know, like I'm very diverse in what I listen to. So some days I'll be listening to like 70s rock. Some days I'll be listening to 90s rap. Some days I'll be listening to like, you know, the Black Keys, which are like early 2000s and even, you know, putting out music today. But I, I've kind of been on this. I've been listening to The weekend. I don't really? know if that's hey, like, man. I don't, I don't know if that's hey, like, man. like, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure at this point. Cause like, I kind of laughed at people who were like, oh, I'm such a big fan of the weekend. And I'm like, why all the songs sound the same. But the more I've listened to the weekend as of late, I'm like, all right. Yeah. I kind of get it. No, now. no, no. Like I, I don't think that's ridiculous. No, I got into a big weekend binge over the summer. And I'm, I'm yeah. not really like ashamed of it, but I've been listening to it and I'm like, I really gave this guy a bad rap when no, I didn't need I, to. I, I mess with the weekend too, mm. specifically like early weekend stuff. Yeah, like I mean, his latest albums were pretty good. I like Starboy back. I think that was like 2018. Yeah, Starboy was really good. Yeah, and so a couple of the, a couple of the songs on there are pretty good. And like his album before that, like The Hills, those iconic songs that he does, man. Like he, he the thing about the weekend is that he's very versatile. I like that. I like when someone can do a couple like different but genres on the same piece. It's I think good. what like. Uh, what started the whole thing was I was on TikTok one night and I don't know, there's like a song circulating Lost in the Fire. Do you know that one? It's not his so. song. It's him featured on Gasaffelstein's. Yeah, I would not. It's no, like, no, he, no, I no, think I this Gasaffelstein guy, he's like a, like a DJ or something. And anyway, it's a good song. It's a really good song. Yeah. And then it just kind of like started from there. And I was like, wow. He's been, got a catalog. Yeah, I've been on a big Post Malone kick lately. Oh my god! Post like Malone. the past few days, man. Po- Post Malone. Sh- Rockstar came on my shuffle the oh, other day, man. and it's just <laughs> been launched. No, Post Malone. Post Malone's an interesting guy because, like, when you talk about versatility, especially in like, like mm. I wouldn't call Post Malone a rapper, but he can do it. He, he wouldn't even call himself a no, rapper. So. He's. Like when you when you look at the term artist, man, he is that in every sense of the word. Oh, big time! Because like that dude has some vocals on him too, man. Like strong Hollywood's bleeding. That album is mainly vocals. Yeah, yeah man. That uh, he didn't. Yeah, that's the one with the Ozzy Osbourne song. And oh yeah, well, that's like fire. he like rock star him making that song. He's almost calling himself a rock star, and then he adds like a lot of guitar and a lot of like heavier stuff in Hollywood's bleeding and so he's kind of like not a like what you would think of as like the average rapper like he's just kind of something that's right. a I, bit you can't in really between. genre define him right no, no really not can't. at all I think it says a lot about the guy when you look at an album and it features Meek Mill 
yeah. Travis Scott, but then also features Ozzy Osbourne. Do you know and what I'm saying? Well. And it does it very well. Travis and Ozzy Osbourne on the same song, man, that's like, and it works, like, and like it works perfectly. Well, I just think that he, even in, in the days of like his early his early music, him on White Iverson, mm. like he's a lyricist. So even in White Iverson, one of his earliest songs that he put out and kind of gained major traction in pop music, the lyrics in that are great. Well, look at I Fall Apart. Like it's not, it's not quint. It's, it's not like mainstream pop music where the lyrics are like repetitive. They all sound the same. Like, like that White Iverson doesn't sound like any other pop song no. on the radio. No. Post Malone's one of those guys that I can listen to his album, like not his album, his albums, I should say. And for the most part, his projects are no skips for me. Yeah, that's like, what I'd say. Like Beer Bongs and Bentleys is to this day. A no skip album for me. I could listen to every and there's single like, one what, of those albums. How many tracks are on that album? Twenty somewhere Something around like that. that. It's a bunch. It and they're all and the, but the fact is is like you have you have just bangers, you have melodic hits. Like I don't know, man. There's something about the guy. He's like if, if party Post Malone's tunes, yeah, and then he has party songs, songs thrown in there. Yeah, if, like if, Rockstar was a bang party banger oh in God, our grade dude. twelve year. Yeah, that came out like football oh season grade twelve. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's. He's actually he's one of my favorites. I didn't put him on my list, but probably should have. <laughs> Speaking of list, uh, I guess I'll start us off with my number five, which is going to be an oddball from the rest of my list and anything else here. But there's... So just explain the actual exercise. Yeah, that we so did. what we're doing is each at a time we're going to go through our five top most influential artists or albums in our life. So like, it's not always the best, but it's like, what albums do we think influence parts of our lives or our music tastes the most? So my number five is an oddball, but for me, anybody who knows me, it makes a lot of sense. It, it is a tie between two albums, but it is 2006's Straight Outta Linwood by Weird Al and 2014's <laughs> Mandatory Fun by Weird Al. That might be an oddball, but as a kid... The fact one that of he my, had two Weird Al albums one of, my first, one of my first musical memories is being shown Weird Al by my dad. And falling in love with this wacky, long-haired dude with an accordion. I've always had a soft spot for comedy music because I think it takes a lot more skill than anybody I'll ever give it credit. Like, Weird Al has actually got pipes. Like, he can sing well. He can play multiple instruments. He's super talented. But Straight Outta Linwood 2006 was one of the first albums I ever bought on iTunes. I remember listening to that thing front and back, loving white nerdy, listening to him absolutely <laughs> blast. And then Mandatory Fun was 2014 when, like, I assumed Weird Al wasn't going to make music anymore. It is his last album that he's put out. But that's when he came out, and that's when he covered, like, Happy by uh, Frau Williams. He copied Fancy. He went through, like, a bunch of different genres flat out. And he also put original music on that, which he's done on every album, which doesn't get talked about. But I don't know. Weird Al was, like, a big part of my childhood and even today like if weird al comes on i'm never gonna i will not stand weird al slander from anybody <laughs> this man like i would pay my, a lot of money to go see a weird al big part of my childhood my it was again like the first experience one of my first musical experiences i remember was my dad introducing me to weird al and if i think like it was influential because i don't think i become as big of a jack black fan as i am today yeah. without listening to weird al you know things like tenacious d and even like some of like the YouTube song comedians like Jean Lejeune, 
<laughs> no, late John oh, the show when he stopped, you know, rapping about showing genitals has actually got some comedic value. But like early mid two thousand, John the show is just fucked. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number five. I guess I'll throw it over to you now, Jake. So I kind of I have seven albums on my list. I didn't really know what to put at number five because. Like I said earlier, like when we were just kind of introducing the, the whole show, like I'm very versatile. So I'll listen to 70s rock. I'll, live, I'll listen to 90s rap. I'll listen to, you know, 2000s rap, anything. Um, and not just rap or rock. Like I'll listen to 50s music. I'll listen, oh, yeah. to, I'll listen to literally anything yeah. except maybe like new age country music. That's the only <laughs> thing where I really draw the line. But even guys like Luke Combs, like I'll listen to their music and like not hate it. So... At number seven, I guess if you want to go down, uh, I have Led Zeppelin four. Um, Stairway to heaven. Yeah, I just think I could have put basically any Led Zeppelin album on here and been satisfied with it because my dad is such a big Led Zeppelin fan. He really he showed me the whole catalog basically all at once because we had that complete studio albums uh, album. At home, so I basically listened from everything from the start to like Coda, which is like their last album. And when you have like Black Dog, Rock and Roll, The Battle of Evermore as your first three um, songs in that complete studio albums, I don't even think it was like in order or anything, but it, it was like insane. It was three different kinds of music all at once. You'd have Rock and Roll which is like a, a loud early piece from Led Zeppelin. That's like, you know, what you think of when you think of uh, like rock and roll. And, you know, Black Dog is, is a weird song, but it's kind of like, I don't even know, the, the, the generic process or progress of a song is kind of broken up in Black Dog because they're singing and then it pauses and then there's like music playing and then it pauses and then it's singing. It's, it's weird. And then a song like the Battle of Evermore, it was, it was kind of interesting because it's a slow song and it's like a ballad almost. It's like a story, but yeah, the actual Led Zeppelin four, um, it, it's, it's magical. And I, I, I went to see, um, a cover band. I don't know if you've, What's what's the actual name of the band? It's like Classic Albums Live. Have you ever seen one of those? Have not, but Where I they, know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, they they do different albums. They get yeah. like a singer that sounds exactly like for example, I went to one um I went to a few with Led Zeppelin, but they they did a really good Rush one. Where they found someone who sounded like Getty Lee, which is impossible. <laughs> and you know how they did it? They used someone a single art like a single vocalist for a few getty lee songs in in the early days of rush but then they actually combined two singers to get the high pitch getty lee in his later stuff where they started you know doing like really high vocals i thought it was cool but i digress like when the levy breaks on led zeppelin 4 probably one of my top 10 songs of all time and it's just no question because the drums that start the harmonica it's the lyrics it's all there um it's it's a great album and it's easily one of my one of my easy choices but see if you put a gun to my head for a led zeppelin album it's houses of the holy 
House of the Holy. I love the ocean. Mm. The ocean. Uh, this song remains the same. Like, yeah. Led Zeppelin. I have a poster in my room. I love Led Zeppelin, but like Houses of the Holy is mine. But Led Zeppelin Four. The is... fact that you asked us to pick like five <laughs> albums, it was hard. Yeah. It was easy for me at the start, but then I kept looking at my list and I'm like, I don't have a Led Zeppelin album on there. Like, how can I not have a Led Zeppelin album on there? So I, I had to add like two extra albums to the yeah, list. Yeah, I've got two honorable mentions, and one of them is going to be a Led Zeppelin. Yeah, because I don't have it in my five, but my honorable mentions are. I could have picked Led Zeppelin two, <laughs> Led Zeppelin three. Houses of the Holy. I could have picked uh, Physical Graffiti. I could have picked like any Led Zeppelin album there, but Led Zeppelin Four is kind of in the middle of their whole catalog, and because it has one of the Levy breaks on there, it's just an easy choice. It's like a comfort choice, I guess. All right, Greg, I'll swing it over to you for your number five. Um, for me, a group, I guess. I'll go. I'll talk about the artist first, and then I'll talk about the albums of theirs that I like because I think it's more about the artist in this case, but. I'm a huge fan of Queen, boys. Like, huge. Don't blame you. Yeah. Like, huge. <laughs> and honestly, I, can, I don't really have an explanation as to why I started being a huge Queen fan. I think it has to do a lot with, like, the way that they were able to both make the music that they made and have the entertainment value that they did. Because I think it's very rare for bands at the time to be as experimental as Queen was. Bohemian Rhapsody, man, that was like that was just six songs thrown together. Well, they got laughed and, of yeah, out they got laughed the of record the studio. studio and, and you know and honestly, when when it comes to Queen, like obviously the story itself is kind of captivating, but the group about obviously Mercury, but honestly, when when you look at just banger tunes of that time, you're talking. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Somebody to Love, We Are the Champions, just iconic. It's like, it's everybody, you turn on Queen everybody at a party, everybody's going to yeah. know every lyric from the song. That they you play put it on. at hockey games for play, a reason. Yeah, yeah, man. It's just, it's one of those groups that is just universal. Everybody likes Queen. Obviously not everybody likes Queen, but you know Queen when you hear them. And there's a reason that that is the case, right? And for me personally... When I think of groups at that time that influenced me, Queen and the way that Freddie Mercury was as a vocalist was extremely just it. He has put his footstep in the music industry and it will stay there forever. Just the way that he was able to like be himself in the industry and the fact that he was able to sing it the way that he could, man. Like, but when I look at Queen albums, I'm like, God damn. Like, it's like you were saying with Led Zeppelin, Jake. Like, yeah. I could pick any one of them. Honestly. So many. Like, Night at the Opera. Right? Obviously. Like, obviously that one comes to mind. Obviously, News of the World comes to mind. Right? Like, all of these albums that are just so iconic. Like, if I could pick one of my, my favorite album ever, it's probably Queen's Greatest Hits album. Oh yeah, man. It's on it's on my like Apple Music 24/7 and it's like Queen has something for every mood and that's something that I really really respect in music. Like if I really get into a group and I want to get pumped or something, I can put on Queen. If I'm if I'm down bad, I can put on Queen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like like I oh, know I'm being dead serious. Oh, yeah. Like they literally they have something for everybody and that's something that I really respect and I think that has something to do with like like um, I know I'm going to a Queen cover band in uh in May yeah, in St. John. I'm so, so excited, bro. I'm so excited. 
like obviously nothing will ever be Freddie Mercury obviously nothing will be the real band but just hearing that music live that's something altogether so yeah that's that'd be my number five is Queen but if we're gonna get super specific I'll go Night at the Opera you don't have to be because my number four isn't specific at all which going into my number four uh, I could pick albums but you know my number four is Chris Cornell who's been a part of three bands and done solo work between his start with Soundgarden breaking into the grunge scene which if I had to pick a Soundgarden album, it'd be super unknown without a question. Uh, then went with Temple of the Dog. Then went and formed a supergroup with Rage Against the Machine with Audio Slave, which is where I think his work's done best. Because that's really where he shines away from the grunge scene with his vocals. And then he went on to then have a solo acoustic career, including a covers album that got released after his death, uh, where he just did a bunch of acoustic covers of things like Patience by Aerosmith. Uh, and a bunch of um, a bunch of other songs like "Sad Sad City" uh, that was called uh, "Nobody Sings Like You Anymore." But uh, Chris Cornell is one of the most is probably the most influential single artist in my music taste. I really, really, really enjoy his voice talent because he can get you know when you look at things in Soundgarden, he can get that grungy lower kind of can yell when you need to, and then you look at you know his solo work in Audio Slave, he can sing soft, he can sing proud he can sing loud he can really crank vocals out but i also appreciate he was an amazing songwriter which i really really like like one of my favorite interviews is when they were doing the music video for uh like a stone uh tim cummerford who was the bassist for audio sleeve was doing an interview and he was talking about how if you listen to the chorus of that song you assume it's a love song because he talks about you know waiting all alone for you and then you know he asked Chris Cornell, he said, who is this about? And Chris Cornell said, listen to the chorus, it's about death. Like he sang an entire song about a guy waiting alone for death and, you know, made references to like pagans and wanting to go to heaven. And if you don't actually sit down and digest the lyrics, you'll never get it. And then even songs like Black Hole Sun, which are far deeper than you ever think. Like it makes you want to, like when you learn those kind of things, when guys are like actual poets and can write meaningful like shit in places you don't expect it like rock and roll was never supposed to be a meaningful genre neither was grunge you look at you know nirvana's biggest hit is a scramble of words and smells like teen spirit yeah there is no story there is no but chris cornell started in that genre and was able to bend stories bend lyrics and actually be a storyteller within a genre that didn't initially uh, allow it and he was always someone I wanted to see live which is why when I found out he killed himself I was like fuck this sucks dick I was really hoping to one day be able to see Chris live even if it was his solo work where he just went around and played a bunch of his hits on an acoustic guitar cause like I have that that album songbook even I have downloaded to listen to him live cause he sounds amazing live but uh, Soundgarden was doing tours and that's when he hung himself during I think the tour or yeah, it was right after a show, and like if they had to come around, I would have probably paid money to see him. Not to bands come to Atlanta, Canada, but yeah. yeah, my number four would be Chris Cornell. But if you had to make me pick albums, it would be Super Unknown by Soundgarden, Audio Slave, self-titled first album, and then Nobody Sings Like You Anymore. Throw it over to you, Jake. So my kind of second outside choice uh, outside my top five is um 444 by Mm jay-z and i easily like i said like basically the same thing as i said with led zeppelin i could have gone 
anywhere basically in his catalog reasonable doubt i could have went to the blueprint i really like the blueprint a lot because heart of the city is probably my favorite song on that entire album um i could have gone to the black album but 444 i don't think gets a lot of love in jc's catalog even it's like it's his most recent release as an album um and it's kind of one of those weird albums that a rapper or anybody re- releases that c- they kind of get forgotten about and because of the context that this album was released in like as kind of like an apology for cheating on Beyonce Bro, how the fuck could you ever do that like yeah, <laughs> how, yeah literally not wrong. how could you do that but it's also like why am I listening to this album if it's like an apology album yeah right yeah but I love it because Kill Jay-Z, the story of OJ, 444, Family Feud, Mercy Me, like they're all great songs, but they're so different from what he's mm-hmm. usually known for and what his, you know, his legacy is made of. Y- you were you were saying um that you don't think for like 444 gets the uh the love that it deserves. Yeah. Man, I damn near say it gets hated on. It does. Like it, it like, really does. Like when I when I'm on Instagram, bro, and I'm scrolling on these music pages that I'm following no, and stuff really like that, does. like it gets hated on regularly. Like when it's like a discussion page where it's like, um, what's your favorite Jay Z? Like Happy Birthday Jay Z. What's your favorite project of Hoves today? Yeah, you know, you, it's everyone. Every damn comment, sure, it, damn sure, it ain't four four four. Yeah, every comment's <laughs> like, bro, it's like, bruh, I don't know, what my favorite album is it ain't four four four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's just I don't know, bro. I think it's unfair. I, I don't think it's a bad album at all. I think you're right with what you're saying that it's not typical Jay Z. Yeah. And people don't really know how to fuck with that when something. That doesn't is, mean it's not good though. Exactly. That's what. Yeah. But like, if you if you've grown up with Jay Z, I guess, and you listen to Reasonable Doubt, and you listen to the Blueprint, you listen to the Black Album, you listen to like you know all these different hardcore like in your face kind of Jay Z songs, and then you get you get a new album from Jay-Z and you're like, Oh my God, what is it? What, like what did he produced kind of the same thing with Kanye in a way. Cause like, yeah, cause Kanye, you know, he had, he has a lot of different styles that he's released. You know, he has gospel, he has, you know, some kind of project albums, some kind of, um, in your, in your face. Medicated or not medicated. Yeah, basically. And, that never really happened with Jay-Z until this album. But I think once it came out, people were like, what the fuck did you just give us? Yeah. But I really love it. Like yeah. I, It's easy to listen to at night. It's easy to listen to when I'm studying, when I'm just like doing something really like quiet. Yeah. Because it's not in your face. It's not loud. And it's not like something I have to just solely focus on. Like there's, there's some music out there where you just have to listen to the music you can't do anything else while you're listening to it but i like this album and um i didn't have another jay-z album in like in my top five so it was one of these artists that i couldn't exclude from the whole conversation so yeah i mean when it comes to jay-z like specifically like not even necessarily 444 but like his whole discography like there's no slip-ups there no like you you can argue that there, well, there you can't argue. It's a fact that some albums just aren't up to par with the Black Album, with Blueprint, yeah. those type of albums. But that being said, Jay Z's willing to go there, yeah. And fans don't love that sometimes. No. That's it's, that's what people hate on Kanye for. 
Yeah. Right. I hate on Kanye for it because Kanye is a whole. But when you put your also bad shit crazy. Yeah. (laughs) When you put your neck out there as an artist and put out something that's completely off. Yeah. Of off the beaten path of what you're known for and what you've built your legacy, your money off of, people are gonna be like, "What is this?" Yeah, you're gonna get hate for sure. See, if I like, I like Jay Z. I'm not a big rap guy, but Jake knows I like Jay Z. But I think the Black Album's a masterpiece. Yeah. Like dirt off your shoulder, ninety nine problems. Yeah. Oh my! Like so you would never, many. you would never sit down and listen to this album. No, but I can sit down and listen to the Black it, Album. Yeah, with ease, dude. Yeah, I listen to the Black Album. There's like five or six songs on the Black Album that yeah. are on my main playlist. Yeah, that's just what it is, man. I, I love Jay Z, yeah. but I'm gonna stick in rap. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Current day rap. Do you like the flow on that? I'm gonna stick in. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like I am gonna, but I'm gonna go current. I'm gonna go more current, um, and I'm gonna go album specific this time. But I shouldn't because again, this guy is so influential for me because he was hitting his prime right when I was starting to get into hip hop and rap. So as I was hitting this period in my life where I was starting to listen to this stuff. This dude was on the rise and the album I'm going to talk about is 2014 Forest Hills Drive by J. Cole. J. Cole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this man, you put this oh album on. God, this yes. album is seven years old already. First off, that makes me feel old as hell. Yeah. Old as hell, bro. Cause that was like, I think I was in grade we nine in grade or eight. eight, eight or nine. Yeah, 2014 would have been eight. Yeah. Whatever month it dropped in. It was eight or nine. Actually, I think it was a summer going in, but the uh, thing is, is like, actually it was, it was like, Early grade nine, yeah, it was December, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah, same 2014, thing. Twenty fourteen, so man, like yeah, I look at this album, Tale of Two Cities, uh, G O M D, no, no role, role models. models, Wet Dreams. I was all the, my, my my favorite song from that's O Three Adolescence. Yeah, yeah, but like you don't think about that. No, when you think about no. the album, bro, and it's fire. Yeah, like J Cole is uh, like I'm gonna make a statement. You can disagree with it. You can agree Platinum with it. With we no can talk features. about it. Platinum with no features. <laughs> yeah. J. Cole is this generation's Jay-Z. Yes. Oh, and yeah. I I don't think that is debatable. I was... Like, when you look at the style, like, J. Cole's modern East Coast rap. North oh, yeah. Carolina. North Carolina. It's not grimy, but it's flowy with a little bit of bite to it. Yeah. That's how it's got to be, right? That's how, like, that's how all those North Carolina rappers were until the baby's bum ass came out of nowhere. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> Mom, I'm just I pull up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the uh, oh my god, man, that guy's a piece of shit. Anyway, you're right. The um, but like when I look at J Cole, God, that guy. You're talking about another guy that doesn't miss. Mm. Like he he just put out the off season, just as people were about to say, "Oh, the J Cole's falling off a little bit. He's getting old." Man, did you hear well, the I mean, off seven, season? Seven years between an album will do that. Did you hear the off season, bro? Uh, yeah. That shit's fire from the second you press I play until it's over. Like, the the way that this guy... It, one of our friends said one time that this guy has the best flow in the game right now. And if you're talking about J. Cole's flow that he uses on No Role Models... Mean. And G-O-M-D... That's the best flow in the game right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, like, there is nobody in the game that can drop bars and sound as smooth as that dude does right now. And I just wanted to say this. One of my favorite J. Cole things that he's ever put out was his L.A. Leakers freestyle that he did this past year. 
when he did it for the radio show in LA, bro, that shit was fire. Honest to God, like three minutes off the top of the dome, everything just straight up for me, man, J Cole, the way that I, I think J Cole, his timing had a lot to do with it for me. Mm. I think the fact that he was coming in and dropping 2014 Forest Hills Drive, just as I was starting to get into hip hop and rap had a big deal to do with it. And I'm going to talk about somebody else from our generation who I think is better than J Cole later, but J Cole is my number two for this generation. And I don't really like to rank it because music's just subjective in my opinion. But that being said, you can't go wrong with J. Cole, bro. If you put on J. Cole, everybody's going to vibe. Oh, it's always a banger. Like, yeah. I've always found that J. Cole had some of the best album art out of, yeah. out of a lot well, of Well, dude, that, that, picture, that picture on him and his roof on Forest Hills Drive is iconic. That's what I'm talking it's, about. It's literally iconic. Like, you and can't, then the off-season... It's artwork was fire with him standing in front of the flaming basketball hoop. Like, well, yeah, man, he's an NBA player. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then even even Cold World, man, he looks cold on the front of KOD Cold World. was cool with yeah, him man. in the in the cape, like in the you know, like a crown. lot of so even for your eyes only. Yeah, like, I was just gonna talk about for your eyes only. That is an album you talked about four four four, Jake. Yeah, with the hate that Jay Z got for it. That's the album that I've heard that J Cole probably gets the most hate for. I but can that, see that. But that, dude, if you just press play on that, fuck the shuffle. You can't. Press play on that. It's a story. Well, I'm really entire... album-oriented. So like, me too. This me was too. like the perfect exercise Ooh. for me because I don't just listen to like a, a single song. Yeah. Like I, when I listen to music, I go to an album. Unless I'm like in the car or something, like I'll have a playlist. But if I'm listening to music... Nine times out of ten, I'm going to go through, an, like, an entire album. Yeah. So, yeah, J. Cole's my, I guess you'd call him number four, but, man, like, that's what Yeah, dude. man, these top fives for me are, like, it was a hard rank. Like, uh, number three for me now uh, is Johnny Cash's Unearthed, mm. which is yeah. a four-album box set, technically, that came out in 2003, which combined American 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and this isn't even the Johnny Cash that introduced me to Johnny Cash. I originally found Johnny Cash. Obviously, you hear Ring of Fire in the radio, but uh, Live from Folsom Prison is what got me into Johnny Cash, which was my introduction introduction to country music, which I I don't like the modern, new age country bullshit. Like, my country, my prime country was like Brooks and Dunn and all that in the 2000s, but Johnny Cash is unearthed, which is old Johnny Cash sitting down, with a guitar and a, you know he's got a couple bandmates with him doing some stuff, but he's uh, like this. Uh, it's such a unique thing, like because this is Johnny after he's you know stopped cheating on who would be his ex-wife. He's come clean from drugs. He like you know he's found religion. Not that I'm a religious guy, but there's really some interesting uh, religious-based songs. And a lo- Johnny Cash, a lot of his songs are stories. But even then, he did some covers on Unearthed. Like he covered. Uh, Devil's Right Hand by Steve Earle, which I I really like Cash's Cash's voice is just really good. He uh, covered um, Big Iron by Marty, uh, yeah Marty Williams. Uh, the most famous cover from this album is Nine Inch Nails Hurt. He brought back a song. He took uh, our song that had already been platinum, covered it, and remade it platinum, which almost nobody does. He took a song that was originally written about a heroin addict who wants to kill himself and made it into a song about an old man with a lot of regrets with by changing the word lyric one word lyric from shit to thorns. That's all he did. 
But even in On Earth, you know, he has a song called Hung My Head, which is about a guy who accidentally shoots a guy. Uh, there's so many different songs in this album. And old Johnny Cash is just, like, I love Folsom Prison, live from Folsom Prison. You know, the Johnny Cash, that the poster in my room of him fucking flipping off a camera <laughs> in the middle of a performance. But old Johnny Cash just had the ability to tell stories when he, like, you know, sit down with a guitar, you know. And it's, his voice is different when he's older. I don't know what it is. But, you know, it's 60, warmer. Yeah, 67-year-old Johnny, you know, you know, the cover of You Are My Sunshine, which... I love that gets played in all these lovey-dovey commercials, and it's literally a song about a dude whose wife leaves him. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what it's about. But it, Johnny Cash is my introduction to country music, which I listen to a good chunk now. But there's just something about that unearthed box set, which I can sit there and hit play, and I can listen to 60-plus songs in an entire day, not want to change artists, not get tired, not get... You know, and there's also different vibes. Like Devil's Right Hand, you know... That's a Steve Earle cover, but it's a more upbeat song compared to, you know, Hurt, which is a brutal, sad and somber. Also covered Soundgarden's Rusty Cage really well. That got used in, uh, Jake will know this, but Call of Duty Mob of the Dead Zombies, that's the song that's in the trailer for that. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of versatility, a good songwriting, a really smooth voice I enjoy, and that's why Johnny Cash's Unearthed is my three. Well, he's the man. Mm-hmm. King of country. Make, make a comment about Johnny Cash. And to make a comment of Freddie Mercury, something they have in common that we were talking about earlier, personality yeah. can get you so far in the well, industry, look, dude. Well, John, if you've ever watched the movie Walk the Line. That's what I was just, oh, I was literally, man. that's the point that I was about to make. The Queen, movie that. Randy Malik, super talented yeah. to play Freddie Mercury. Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix playing Johnny Cash is one of the greatest performances that, that I've ever the music seen in my too. life. Mm, I, it, it's crazy. And the fact that Johnny Cash is both so unique yet so memorable and at the same time is so like it's it's readily available for somebody to tackle that character well, and to make it to, for somebody like Joaquin Phoenix to tackle that shit bro it's going to be compelling well, here's the difference it, when you have characters i'd almost call them like you know Johnny Cash personalities personalities in the music world you know they're great when you can make a bang up movie adaptation of their life yeah. well, and like elton john oh taron egerton's another guy oh doing all these own music for rocket man yeah rocket so man good. was great and i don't really like musicals that much because it was like more of a musical movie where they had some scenes where it was kind of they basically did a musical whenever he was moving from one stage yeah. of his life to another yeah. Yeah. but even that movie it was great but you never see like a movie adaptation of gene simmons <laughs> you would never see that. Like he had his Gene Simmons family jewel show. Like, and that this isn't a, anything against Gene Simmons, but it's he's just not the same kind of figure. He's a vapid character, bro. You know exactly. You're Johnny Cash is just well, compelling. Johnny Cash, and he had a great life story. You know, yeah. the, the struggle with addiction, the the whole June June yeah. Carter thing. Like it, he just had a great story, and the come up of him being a fifties uh, country artist, and then basically falling off completely and having to basically re-enter pop music in America when everybody was forgetting old country, it's crazy. Yeah. It's kind when you of look cool. At, when country originally came out, Johnny Cash was one of the pioneers of country with Willie Nelson. Back then, country yeah. was, fuck the government. Like, he went into Folsom Prison, and instead of singing, you know, he sang to the inmates about how much he hated cops, how much he hated... When country, when Johnny Cash tried to come back... 
was full on mm, America, fuck yeah, like, and he didn't he didn't change like he changed, but he didn't change his values. You didn't hear Johnny Cash going, and I got my beer and my truck stayed the same. Man, and it's like Johnny Cash is someone who people who hate country. For instance, our friend Liam claims to this day he <laughs> hates country. Also says he loves Johnny Cash. Well, he also went to Folsom Prison and sung Cocaine Blues. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like highbrow songs that he was he was singing in a prison. Like, well, it like was, it, he's just so he's different. I talked about it earlier, but that it's on my it's a poster on my wall. Like they're filming it, and he literally with pulls his guitar up. You can't see what I'm doing, obviously, but he pulls his guitar up by his neck, takes his right strumming finger, and flips the camera off. Yeah. Just no chill. And I I admire Johnny Cash, but old Johnny Cash, unearthed, one of the greatest albums I've ever, well, four Him, albums. Him, Merle Haggard, like, there's just... Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Um, why am I blanking on the man who did, um, I'm sure Hank done it this way. Hank Williams is another one, but I'm blanking on... Uh, I hate the fact that I'm blanking on. You're this. gonna remember it as soon as we stop recording. I know too. it's. I literally it's the guy who did. I know Hank done it this way. Did uh, Mom? I don't let your boys be cowboys. Um, oh, um, oh man, why am I blanking so incredibly hard right now? Oh. Um. Oh God. Did Ramblin' Man? See now I'm just. Oh gonna... oh um 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 Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings, thank Waylon. you. That old style of country is something the highwayman. Yeah. I wish would come back instead of this pro, you know, yeah, conservative bullshit. <laughs> but that's my number three. Before I rant till the end of time, I'll hand it over to Jake for his third. So I have another rap album. You can probably guess what it is. The best rap album of all time. It's uh, Illmatic by Nas. And Nas is my favorite rapper. I just think Illmatic did so much to kind of promote. I don't even want to say he he built a genre because he really didn't, but in some ways he did because East Coast rap at the time when Nas dropped Illmatic, it was transforming from like hip hop of like LL Cool J, um, like Run DMC. Oh, and fast. it was, it was kind of, yeah, it was, transforming into like Jay-Z, Nas. It was kind yeah. of at that that critical point. It was going into grimy New York, man. Yeah. It was coming back. Yeah, and Wu-Tang was, mm -hmm. you know, was on the come up and everything. And he just kind of, he dropped Illmatic and Jay-Z samples Illmatic. Like so many rappers that come after that album sample something from Illmatic, even if it's just the smallest yeah. little piece of yeah. the song of one of the songs, um, like Dead Presidents in Reasonable mm -hmm. Doubt by Jay-Z. He samples the Dead Presidents, I'm out for Dead Presidents to represent me by Nas in Illmatic. And I think it's just so cool that Nas used the album artwork from Illmatic in basically every other major release from his career. So he has that picture of him as a child standing in front of the projects in New York. And then later it's an older version of him. And it's like through the years it gets to like, you know, an iconic piece of almost artwork because it's, it's so recognizable that right. art, that album cover. No, I love Illmatic. I like Nas. Yeah. New York state of mind. The world is yours. Halftime represent like 
yeah. it ain't hard to tell. They're all bangers. No, I like nice Nas too, man. Sorry, yeah. Nas. Nice. <laughs> <Nodge. laughs> <Like> Nas too. <laughs> what up? The, uh, <laughs> Jake, I got to ask you a loaded question, and I only want like a 20-second response. Yeah. Nas or Jay-Z. Legacy, all time. 20 seconds. <sighs> you see... This may be sweating. I'd right say... <laughs> I'd still say Nas, though, because I think... He's not like the granddaddy of East Coast rap, um, but in some ways he is because like he came before Jay Z, and Jay Z's debut album, Jay Z samples Nas. Yeah. Do you know you know what my answer to that would be? I'm gonna say Jay Z, because that's personal taste. Full full legacy and full yeah. like catalog yeah. Jay Z because he released more consistent out because yeah. What what happened yeah. with Nas is that after he dropped Illmatic. He did sink yeah. because he basically made his career on Illmatic and then kind of now went because then what he, I will say is in my mind, Nas, he didn't necessarily create, mm. but he was what you said, the godfather of what was that East Coast rap yeah, of that time. The sound. It's but Jay-Z revolutionized, revolionized it. And that's it. why I and would he, say Jay-Z. And he but made it I popular. I understand the Nas argument, yeah. Nas didn't make the East Coast sound popular. But because he Because if you ask some random person on the street, hey, what's your favorite song by Nas? They don't know who Nas is. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite song by Jay-Z? Oh, no, They'll be like... Public service announced. Like, yeah. Just dude, like... Like, they would know who Jay-Z is instantly. And there is a reason that people say, you know who's the greatest New York rapper of all time. They'll say Jay-Z. Yeah. I would probably say that too, based on their full catalog, but like in terms of what they did for the actual sound and inspiration of everybody who came after them, I would say Nas because yeah. it's, yeah. And that's the most concise way I can say that because I think, like I said, Nas drops Illmatic. Then he drops, it was written three years later in 96. And then he kind of goes into yeah, that poppy, early 2000 sound and yeah. it didn't work for him but he's recently come out with king's disease king's disease 2 and they're fucking great yeah you know what i would say when drake dropped certified lover boy and he was putting up those billboards all over the, like the united states well he Canada, said the goat the, he yeah. went times square he put up a billboard the yeah. goat is back i know and everybody knew it was jay-z yeah exactly so like i get i'll i'll stick and rap again i i i kind of flirted with this guy's name earlier um, not his name, but like who he was, but like who I think is the greatest modern day rapper mm. is by far Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Agreed. By far. Yeah. This man's disock man. I'm only going to talk about it for about three minutes, but I could talk at least 45 <laughs> about this dude. Like, we're talking Good Kid, Mad City. We're talking oh to God. Pimp a Butterfly. We're talking about Damn. We're talking about the motion picture picture soundtrack to Black, Black Panther. Panther. We're talking about Untitled, Unmastered. We're talking about uh, Section 8. Versatility. Yeah. Dude, yeah. are you serious? The fact that Good Kid, Mad City robbed of a Grammy by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis will always piss me off. Yeah. No, it was a Travis. I mean, I mean, thr I mean, thrift shops are better. Yeah, but you, <laughs> I don't. Nothing Macklemore ever do will beat an album that had uh, "Good Kid, Bad City," "Swimming Pools," uh, "Money Trees." Money Trees is now such or a never. Banger. I love. Guys, it. Oh my god! Now or never yeah. with Mary J. Blige. Oh, the man, that's just gonna come on in the Super Bowl. I swear to God. Um, I love Mary J. Blige. Tarts off for that. <laughs> you know, when I saw the Super Bowl lineup, 
Drake. I was almost excited. Snoop. I was almost as excited for Mary J. Blige as I was for everybody you else. Know, you know if what? I'm being this serious. Is, this is off topic, but when when I was making my list for this show, I was like, "God damn, Greg! Like, that's like the Super Bowl halftime show." Yeah, <laughs> like you're gonna understand what I say later, yeah. but literally. But like, what I want to talk about Kendrick Lamar is that this man. Single-handedly, I want to talk specifically about "To Pimp a Butterfly." You know the album that he won a fucking Pulitzer Prize for. Yeah, his rap album that he won a insane. That that sentence is just insane yeah. to even think of. But to think about the story that that album tells, I from that album, the song "I" is one of the greatest produced songs ever. That man spits three minutes of bars has two minutes of dialogue, and then goes back into bars. Yet he talks about black excellence and achievement in America. Come on, bro. Well, even look at Damn. Damn had white people bopping a DNA when if you actually listen to it. Yeah, I got was, loyalty, royalty inside my DNA. And like, I mean, and the thank samples you, Geraldo Rivera, for being a dumbass. Yeah, and the samples he was using. But, like, the thing is, is... When I look at Kendrick Lamar, I was saying earlier how J. Cole influenced me in like like what I thought about hip-hop and rap and stuff. Kendrick Lamar literally hits all the boxes, man. Mm. Untitled Unmastered is literally a compilation of albums, uh, sorry, of albums, of songs that he didn't think fit into his albums. So he tossed them all together and it would be about 90% of the rap game, it would be their best album. Yeah. It really would be. And... The way that this man is able to tell stories in every single song. This guy could drop a 20-song album and every single song tells a different story. His flows are wild. Like, have you ever heard Kendrick Lamar on Mona Lisa by Lil Wayne? Oh, my. Card- so good. Like, I just think Kendrick is so unique because even though he's a West Coast rapper, you wouldn't know it. No. His voice is unique. You wouldn't well, know you, it. But you can know it. You, you can, can do it. You but can. you also think he'd be an East Coast rapper. You think he'd be from Atlanta. That's from what I'm Florida. thinking. I, like, when I initially heard him, I'm like, man, this this guy sounds like, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, yeah. something. It's not, it doesn't have that West Coast, especially in the mixing. It's, it's more about the mixing of his songs and stuff that West Coast rap, I don't want to say it's like, I don't want to say it's tacky sometimes, but... You know what you know what I'm talking about though. Like when yeah. when you have like NWA well, and Snoop Dogg and stuff, they have all the synthesizer, like the kind of quintessential West Coast sound. And I think it's kind of been pulled into a lot of modern West Coast rap too, that kind of yeah. tackier OG sound to Don't it. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <know> me. But like <laughs> he <laughs> doesn't have that. He just tells stories. Yeah. One thing before you get back to Greg that I love about Kendrick is if Kendrick features on a song, he's just dominant. Mona yeah. Lisa, uh, you know, Hood Gone Love It by uh, J-Rock, uh, yeah. Fragile by <laughs> Tech 9 like any song he features on, he just smashes So it. what's your favorite album by Kendrick? Oh, my God. Because you said Kendrick, but. Good Kid, Mad oh City's mine. You got to choose one for this exercise. Good kid, Mad City. I'm going to say, right now, mm. it's to pimp a butterfly. When I listen to Kendrick, if I'm just having a great big playlist in my car and I'm playing bangers, it's Good Kid, Mad City. But yeah. if I'm going and listening to a full album, for me, it's to pimp a butterfly. But if you're going to talk about pure bangers on an album and a song that you can just pick random songs out of the song out of the album, just 
for like listening enjoyment, it's probably good Kid Mad City. But like you have swimming pools, you have backseat freestyle. You guys didn't mean like that song mm. is whack. Mm-hmm. Like I just think Kendrick is one of those rare guys that has he literally has not dropped anything that is remotely a flop. Like, and he has something on every album for everybody. And for me, that's, that's insanely important. And I think his flows, the way that he can tell a story, not just a story that he's telling, just as important as a story he is. It says something about your music when you're a storyteller, but it's still a banger. It's still a banger for like, the general public. Oh my God. Because yeah. you can be a storyteller, like especially a rap artist and people will be like, I'm not going to listen to this on the radio. Yeah. See what Kendrick did. Was he, took, he took songs that he wrote that are about black achievement, black excellence, something that we don't really see in the mainstream media in terms of like the radio and all that kind of stuff. And he put it on the radio. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. Like humble was on the radio like his songs with like my guy went and featured on a goddamn taylor swift song one time (laughs) like and stole it oh man there's so many people that just got pissed at what i just said but he (laughs) stole it like yeah i don't know man kendrick is just he is undoubtedly the greatest rapper of our generation oh my favorite rapper right now without a doubt no doubt uh, but I guess moving on, and my number two, it's not rap, but it swings in perfectly with telling stories, is an album that from a band at the time that had pretty near dropped, quit. Uh, they just released, I guess three years ago at the time, they released Warning, which still made, you know, it was good sales, but, you know, didn't really do what they wanted. Uh, their tapes to what was Cigarettes and Valentine got stolen to this day. Some people think they were purposely trashed. They all almost quit, and then they came back and wrote what I think is their best album, and that's American Idiot by Green Day. Mm. That is an album that doesn't tell, it tells songs in, uh, songs in, uh, sorry, stories in songs, but the entire album is a story. It is, they went from a pop punk band, you know, in their first, in, on Dookie, singing about moving out from your parents' house and you know, like a mess. Uh, Basket Case is a song all about anxiety. Um, Longview is a song about jerking off when you're bored. And wrote a <laughs> political rock opera from start to finish. That's well, actually, I guess not start to finish. Technically, a few of the songs, "American Idiot," the start, you know, is its own thing. Which I guess it technically starts the story, but it kind of doesn't. And then um, from "Wake Me Up When September Ends" to and "What's Your Name" also don't tell the story of the album. But from "Jesus of Suburbia" to "Homecoming," it is a story. From each song on, telling the story of Saint Jimmy from the start to the finish. And there's loads of political messages. The fact that they got away with playing American Idiot on American radio, a song calling out the conservative masses, calling out the Bush administration, you know, Holiday, a literal song about revolting against, like, capitalism and politicians. Um, But even the way the album's written to tell a story is something I think is so huge. And Green Day is one of my favorite bands. American Idiot is really the album that 13-year-old me gravitated to because I really, really enjoy the story because I was like, mm, seventh grade angsty shit. <laughs> but I think American Idiot, like, without a, I when somebody asks me, typically when I have a band that I really love and somebody's like, what's your favorite album? That's hard. Like, Jake with Led Zeppelin, that's hard. But for me with Green Day, it's American Idiot. I don't even have to think. 
Because that album, to me, the way it's written to tell stories in a political way, which, you know, isn't something that a lot of artists are willing to do. You know, especially because a couple years prior, a year before American Idiot came out in 2004, the Dixie Chicks slandered George Bush and were like blasted to hell. Like people were taking them off radio. So the fact that, you know, a band that like I pretty near wanted to completely stop making music came in and revived themselves, uh, revived the what is called pop punk genre as a whole, which was starting to die. Blink-182 was starting to come down. They revived that whole genre, put themselves back on the map. You know, when you write an album that can get turned into a musical, you're doing something right. Like, by far and away, American Idiot, my favorite Green Day album, This my number two, and what I think is one of the greatest stories from start to finish on an album of all time. I got into a big Green Day kick this summer. I don't know what it was, specifically American Idiot. I was looking for something new. Nothing was really mm. dropping. Nothing was coming out. COVID was big, but the for me... Like American Idiot, when you're talking holiday, and I mean the ti- the titular song mm-hmm. as well, man. There's there's not many songs and projects from that genre that can measure up to that. I well, love it. And the way they bleed songs together too, like Holiday bleeds directly into Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. Um, Extraordinary Girl bleeds right into Letter Bomb. Uh, I can't remember. Um, Give Me Novocaine bleeds right into She's a Rebel. Like, and I really, well, they started doing that on their second album, Insomniac, when they put Brain Stew directly into Jaden, and then they stopped. But when they had the storytelling album, they just started bleeding songs together. And I, it's a really interesting sound. Because mm-hmm. typically when you listen to an album, it's like song, start, stop, song, start, stop. Like, there's a break. But when the album tells a story and they all just flow together and there's no time for you to really, like, like, hmm, that song. It really makes you focus on the story. I think it's a really well-written, performed album. And yeah, that's my number two. In the essence of time, because I used like two full rounds of the table to explain my peripheral albums, I'll <laughs> kind of group these two together. So number four is Brothers by the Black Keys. And I could easily... like. With literally any band that I I have on this list, I could have picked any other albums, really. But most influential and most, you know, kind of groundbreaking on my, um, in my musical catalog, I guess, it would have to be this one. Easily could have picked El Camino, though, because El Camino is a banger. But Brothers, um, I just think Tighten Up, um, is a masterpiece of a song and it doesn't really get talked about a lot. Howlin' for You is probably the most popular song on that album, I'd say. Oh, yeah. But everybody kind of looks to El Camino because it has Lonely Boy, Gold on the Ceiling, Little Black Submarines. Like, I love it. El Camino's my yeah. Black Keys album. I love El Camino. Yeah, and... It's it's a great album, and then Turn Blue, then Turn Blue came out after that one, and, and it didn't really get the reception. I don't think they I don't think it got the reception they wanted to get from it, but it was a bit quieter for them. Mm. But this album, I think, kind of got me into the Black Keys. I heard uh, Tighten Up on the radio um, one time when I was driving home with my dad, 
And then I went and searched up who are the Black Keys. And then I started listening to like their old stuff, their new stuff. And then they came out last year with a new album. Or was it this year? I'm getting COVID. It was two years ago almost. Because we were, it was, it was during our second year. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. Because we were going to buy con, we were going to buy tickets to Let's uh, Rock, right? Let's Rock in Halifax, but then COVID came along. Yeah, it was during our second year university, so it was almost two years ago now. Um, The whole COVID lockdown thing just screws up my whole timeline of chain of events. Um, So that's really influential in kind of getting me a taste of new rock, and then from there, like. I like the Sheepdogs. I like a whole bunch of bands. I went and listened to the Strokes, um, a little older than the Black Keys in some way, but I don't even think they were. They kind of they were. They both broke into the scene early two thousand. The like same the Strokes, time. Like what was Brothers? Oh five. Brothers was twenty ten. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the Strokes came earlier because Rep- Reptilla but was. You got to remember the Black Keys are also pretty old too. Like yeah. they've got they've got an album here. Um, their debut. Was... I get the Strokes and the Black Keys because Reptilla came out oh three. Yeah, Black Keys debut was the big come up in two thousand two. So they were about the same time, but the Strokes they're a bit of a different sound. Got me into them and kind of like new age rock. And my next one on my list is. A bit weird because I don't really listen to him anymore at all, but it kind of got me into rap, and that's the incredible true story by Logic. And a lot of people clown on Logic because of like you know there's a running joke where he has to mention that he's like you know part white, part black, and even though he looks like a white boy, he's he's a black guy. But like, I think that's a really overused joke, and like I don't even really think it's that funny because the guy grows up in shitty maryland town i'm pretty sure i think he's from maryland originally and his father just wasn't in his life he grew up in a really bad place and he comes up and becomes a rapper and you know he has such a different style from a lot of modern rappers he kind of has concept albums and cool albums that have dialogue and different pieces between the songs and that's what this is the incredible true story is a concept album that kind of brings you along for a ride and tells you a story with dialogue in between certain rap songs. And it's just a different experience than if you were to listen to, you know, a Jay-Z album, if you were listening to a Kendrick album, like with exceptions, because some bigger name rappers that came before him have dropped concept albums like that. But he kind of makes it one of his main things because he's dropped multiple back-to-back concept albums with the same thing going on. So, logic yeah. as an artist gets a lot of hate. Bro. He gets way too a much lot hate. Of hate. Well, way too much hate. I think part of it's because of like some of the stuff he's done newer. Like, uh, um, I under get, pressure was mm, fucking amazing. Homicide, I think, was really good. That helped. Mm-hmm. His Eminem song with Eminem. Yeah, that yeah. one yeah. came back. Now, what do you think of Bobby Tarantino too? I like it. Yeah. But here's the thing: I kind of stopped listening to him. After after he dropped Bobby Tarantino too. Are you an album or mixtape logic guy? Because they those in the and the first track. I'm an album. Track, I'm an, an album, album logic logic guy. I'm a mixtape logic guy. Yeah, and I don't really know the reason why. Yeah. but <laughs> Rick and Morty have a very interesting conversation. The first track of Bobby Tarantino too. Yeah, that is like that is basically essentially for. 
um, like mixtape or album logic. And it's like, I want to turn some shit up, Morty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. I like mixtape logic. Don't get me wrong. I think logic, like, logic gets a lot of hate for talking about shit that he's passionate about. And I just don't believe in well, that. Well, I mean, as a rapper, to sing a song basically about suicide, which some people call cringy. Not I basically disagree. about suicide. Was well, about yeah, like, and got. It, it was named after the hotline. Like, and that was, like, and the music video for it, I think, was also really huge, you know. Like bringing representation to like gay people who aren't accepted by their parents. Like I think that song gets way too much hate. I think artists who get hate for being passionate about things that people hate on them for being passionate for. I think that is the most ridiculous concept in music. Mm. Let the man talk about mental health. You ignorant fuck. I'm sorry, but I'd rather let him talk. That's true. Like you can't tell me some kid didn't hear that song and be like, shit. Well, the, like I said, the the name of the song is literally the number it's for the, the number suicide for help help yeah. hotline. Yeah. So and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like I hate. But there's when a lot people, of people that think it's weird. And I dumb. hate when people like artists get hate for doing the shit that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one who made them famous. You let you put them in this position. Let them do what they want to do. Yeah. I hate MGK, bro. I hate him. That yeah. new album, Fire. I hate him. But that genre change was probably tickets to my downfall is fire. <laughs> that genre change was probably a good thing for my guy. Yeah, and he got a lot of hate for that. Did Eminem make him switch genres? Hmm, probably. But the th- the fact is that he's doing what he wants to. He's making good music. Yeah. And with Logic, when you when he drops a mixtape, everyone's expecting these bangers. Like, um, like just talking about like he has a song literally it's called Cocaine, and the first and, and it's a joke. It's it's literally just. It's an I. It's a satire piece of music where it's like like the, his first saying her the first lines like cocaine, 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 Molly, Percocets, blah blah blah, <laughs> and he just taught he just rattles on about drugs because apparently that's what people want him to fucking rap about, yeah. not about like advertising for mental health awareness. And I think that's whack that people can do that. Like, people, I just hate that man. I hate that in all music. I just I despise it. I guess as someone who's so album oriented in like the music they listen to, I appreciated Logic a lot because he makes you listen to the whole album. You can't just listen to the incredible true stories songs individually right. and get the whole picture. You could, but it wouldn't be happy. It wouldn't experience. be great. Logic is a very good intro to rap music. Yes. Him storytelling rap it music. Is. Eminem There's literally songs on this album you know on the incredible true story that say scene beside them because let's, there's so much dialogue that you have to listen to yeah. what's going let's on. Let's switch into Eminem because that was my next one. Which one? The Eminem show? Um, yes. Or the Marshall Mathers LP. Mm. I'm talking more just him and his influence because logic's an intro and like Eminem is something like what Eminem did being something that nobody had ever seen before. Eminem brought rap to white people. Like, Absolutely. White people did. did not listen to rap until Eminem showed up. Like I remember oh, this is, I can't remember where I heard this, but there was an interview Dr. Dre did and he literally said, yeah, before I met Eminem, I thought he was black. Yeah. There's an interview 50 cent did. I saw it the other day. The funny, we're talking about this, but I saw it on TikTok the other day that was like hip hop, is a part of black culture. I accept that it is. Absolutely is. Undoubtedly. Like, everything about the makeup of it, the creation, the evolutions, all black culture. And I respect the hell out of that. But 50 Cent said something. He was like, 
y'all motherfuckers are just jealous that a white dude is doing this shit to the level that you are. And Eminem revolutionized what it meant to be a hip-hop fan. And he... When... It's it's almost like this thing in hip-hop where it's like... um, Oh, Eminem's invited to the cookout. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like that I, idea. Like, if there's an Eminem album I had to pick, which got me into rap, it would be the Eminem show. Because, like, you know... Till I Collapse. Without me. Without me. Uh, Sing for the Moment, which I think is a super interesting piece he did on, you know, um, critics and stuff like that. And then there was uh, The Real Slim Shady. Was that? Or was that? Uh, I don't know. If, I think that was the Eminem show. No, The Real Slim Shady is. No, that uh, was. Um, isn't that The Mathers? No, it's not. No, it's Curtain Call, isn't it? No, I don't believe No, so. Curtain Call is old greatest hits. Anyways. But, yeah. The Eminem show... Eminem was, you know, this is technically Greg's number two. I don't want to piggyback to it, but Eminem's what got me into rap. Um, he might not be as popular today as he was, but I think Eminem... Real Slim Shady was the Marshall Mathers LP. Oh, it was? Yeah. Eminem just did things that, like, he was so good at being a lyricist. Being a lyricist and being... Um, his wordplay is probably the greatest of all time. And... Mm. If, if you're, when people look, think about Eminem in hip hop, they talk about, oh, he can rap so fast. Bruv, that is not, that's not the point. He's not doing that to prove that he can rap fast. Eminem is the most, not the most, one of the most versatile artists of all time. When people think of Eminem, it's either, oh, he makes, uh, he makes like really like Kim music, like Kim, like grungy music. That's rough to like, you can't listen to it. It's violent. It's just all this shit. Right. And then you have the people that are like, Oh, Eminem, he raps really, really fast rap. God, like, like all that shit. Eminem makes club songs, bro. Yeah, Eminem, Eminem make, makes everything like, like with songs with Akon we'll songs with 50, and the fuck the collaboration that he that he has like the the connection that he has with Dr. Dre mm. is one of the greatest combinations in the history of rap for what it did for the culture and what it did for like the evolution of what it meant to be an artist in the art form. I think they really that connection really allowed uh, allowed everyone to kind of put their foot into like the idea and the style that was rap at the time. I'm not really an Eminem fan at all, but I do recognize what he did for yeah. the genre. Yeah. I like I'm like, not, you'd be stupid to ignore what he did for the genre. I'm not a stan. No. Like I'm not stan. No. But like real ones will get that. I'm not yeah. but like <laughs> but like I I respect the hell out of what he did. And I respect the hell out of the people that gave him a chance because at the time that he was doing it, that wasn't the popular thing to do. No, uh, not at all. All right. So in the essence of time here, what we're going to go do is do through honorable mentions. Basically, this is every album that we want to talk about. That's not our number one, but we're not really going to stop and talk about them. Yeah. You're just going to like each person. Gonna See, get I, already, I already did that at the start. So I'll just go with my, yeah. my, my. So like two for me, left. my honorable mentions that did not make my number one are. El Camino by the Black Keys, House of the Holy from Led Zeppelin, Hotel California by the Eagles, and the only new album that's on any of this, it came out in 2020, and that is The New Abnormal by The Strokes. 
which you know has Brooklyn Bridge to chorus. It's just I'm gonna the only thing I'm gonna say is that's an art. We talked about artists taking a chance earlier. That was the Strokes taking a chance, throwing synth pianos in a traditional rock band, and it worked. So you you do you have any other honorable mention albums to get to Jake before your number? No, like two, I said, one? like I did them at the start. Greg? as almost full blown. Um, I'll go with. Uh, I'm probably going to say. All Eyes on Me by Tupac. I'm going to say, um, I don't know what Stone song, ex- I mean album exactly, but I would say them as a group because they were the first band that I'd ever heard in my life. Um, I would probably say The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Really revolutionized the way that the West Coast rap game was formulated. Um, and I guess if I had to say another one, I would probably go somewhere in the route of, man, something by Kid Cudi. Really? Really? Yeah. That's That's, interesting. Kid Cudi is like, is a genius of this generation, man. The way that he, and I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge yay guy. But I'm I'll give love to to a college dropout. I'll give love to late registration. His discography is insane. Um, I'm a big Life of Pablo fan, and I, this isn't my number one, but I have to say it is probably Views by Drake, because that came out huge. That came out a point in my life where I was like I said earlier how J Cole came out when I was starting to get into rap and hip hop. Dre the Views album came out when I was. Really into the album artwork for that is also oh it's iconic, iconic bro it's iconic like I views dropped the day before I left for Toronto so yeah. that's why that holds something special but like I have my number one but man that was hard not to put on my list my last two albums since I already did my honorable mentions or whatever at the start um my second is Green River by Cle- Creedence Clearwater Revival. And you can't help but think of the Vietnam War when you listen to this album. You oh, can't man. help you can't help but think of the yeah. Vietnam War when you listen to any of their catalog. Um, it's in basically every war movie, war movie about Vietnam, every documentary about Vietnam, every game about Vietnam, and it's just like it's that old music that you can just sit back and listen to and you don't care that like and like everybody in the room might not be a CCR fan, but like nobody's going to say, turn that off. Yeah. Like everybody can listen to CCR and be like, this is like, this is decent Mm -hmm. at the very, at the bare minimum. And my first album um, is the doors self-title album called the doors. Um, they're my favorite band of all time. And even though I haven't listened to them in a long time, it's kind of like your favorite band of all time or artist of all time or group of all time, whatever. They're kind of like your best friend. Even if you don't see them in years, you can go back to them and be so comfortable with them. It's the same thing with the doors as music. Like I, listen to i've been listening to a bunch of rap lately ever since you know our, our fourth year university started i've been listening to a bunch of stuff that 
isn't like the Doors music. This like psychedelic '60s, early '60s sound, and, and um, it's just something I can go back to and be like, I like literally every single thing they've ever made, every single song, and because they only had such like a short history with Jim Morrison dying at 27, um, it makes it that much. I don't want to say sweeter, but like it, you appreciate it a lot more because there's only like a handful of. Well, albums. look at like not this isn't the Doors, but like the Twenty Seven Club. You look at Kurt Cobain. You Janis know, Joplin, I don't. I don't think Nirvana is as big as they are today. If Cobain lives past Twenty Seven, no, and I, I've and always it sucks to say that, but part of their legacy is the fact that Kurt Cobain died at Twenty Seven. I've always said that it's not like a good thing that. Jim Morrison died at 27. It's it's a terrible thing because he had so much to live for. He had so much um, artistic value, artistic, um, you know. He brought so much to the rock game, and he was taken so soon that you don't know what he could have produced later in life. But at the same time, you value what he did Put out and what he was able to put out before he died a yeah. lot more because he lived such a short life and because he produced such little music in the big scheme of things. He also, him and the Doors never had a chance to really decline and put out a shitty album, put out a really fucking terrible album. Like, you know, as good Everything as... Everything Bon Jovi's done after 2000. At as, as good as these bands like ACDC, The Stones, I you will know, all of them are, they put out Christmas albums for Christ's sake. Before you like, crap that's... on ACDC, their 2020 uh, album is actually fire. Yeah, but like... <laughs> you, every big band... Oh, yeah. Has, has laid put, a stinker. Yeah, and The Doors never really got that chance. Uh, and so this... The Doors, the first album they ever made, Break On Through to the Other Side, Light My Fire, The End, they're all iconic songs. It's basically what got me into 60s, 70s, psychedelic, um, West Coast music um, from that era. And they're, they're always going to be my favorite band. Like, There's no, no second my close to them. number one, like Jake, is my favorite band. The band that I guess cemented my love of modern rock and even some harder stuff, it's uh, Billy Talent, but more specifically Billy Talent 2, their second album. Uh, the reason, you know, I discovered Billy Talent through Fallen Leaves, which is on Billy Talent 2, but I think Billy Talent 2 is where they refine... Like, Billy Talent 1, a lot of it is a lot of harder, angrier music that's less... Like, the songwriting, in my opinion, isn't as good. Like, there are some really good written songs. Like, this is how it goes... Uh, was written about their drummer at the time, Aaron, I can't pronounce his last name, who had MS, and how his body was failing him. Uh, Nothing to Lose is a beautiful song about, you know, people in high school who really don't feel like they have anything to live for anymore, and, and that kind of stuff. But Billy Talent 2 is where I think they really began to... It's It's one of the... I think it's their most passionate music they've released. Like, there's... The opening track, Devil in a Midnight Mass, was written about their distaste for the Catholic Church's uh, touching of children. And it's specifically about that case in the States at the time where they were moving a priest to different churches as cases came out. That's what that's written about. And at six years old, I didn't get that, but I do now. Um, Worker Bees is written about uh, they how they disagreed with George Bush going into the Middle East. And it's specifically written from a soldier's point of view 
of how they're just following orders. And in the course, they mentioned, you know, can we fight to like cleanse our souls of like the things that we've done? Uh, then there's, you know, surrender, which is a beautifully like somber written song about a guy who regrets not telling a girl how he feels. There's red flag, which is a very political, you know, revolt go against the masses songs. There's like fallen leaves written about addicts in a place in Vancouver called Pigeon Park. Like there's just so much good songwriting and the guitar riffs. I love the way Ian DeSaw plays the guitar. The combination of lead and back guitar into one through instead of playing traditional chords, he'll play multiple chords through, you know, one strum and you can really hear it on uh, I guess it's the third track in the album, This Suffering. You can really hear how that goes in the opening riff. But, you know, Billy Talent's by far my favorite band. There's not a song they have that I dislike. There's not an album they've released they dislike. In fact, they're releasing a new album this year that I'm super excited for. I got to see them live in 2017 on the Afraid of Heights tour that I really enjoyed. I fell in love with Billy Talent early. My parents still don't know why. Dad, my dad calls them Billy No Talent. He's he's not a fan. I love Billy Talent. Billy Talent Two is my favorite album. It's my most influential. You know, if it, I don't think I'm as big of a Led Zeppelin fan as I am today. If it's not for Billy Talent, because Billy Talent has huge Led Zeppelin influence, really in the guitar work, and you know they're not afraid to admit it. Like Billy Talent influenced my love of rock, modern rock, classic rock, everything stems from at six years old hearing Fallen Leaves and just falling in love with this band. So that's why my number two by far and away is Billy Talent 2. I mean, my number one is Billy Talent 2. I struggled with this. Oh man, my list was tough. I knew that my number one album was going to be by Christopher Wallace. Biggie. I knew. (laughs) I knew it was going to be by Biggie. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to East Coast rap. That's the first East Coast artist I ever listened to, right? Yeah. I had the choice of two albums, but I think I'm going to go with Life After Death. More Money, More Problems, Hypnotize. Yeah. Like, you see, I'm a big. Ten e- Crack Commandments. Yeah, like, I'm I'm a big East Coast rap fan, but I don't really listen to Biggie. There's something about for some, Biggie, man. For some there's, reason, there's, I'm not even sure what it is. There's something about Biggie. Yeah. We were talking he's earlier. Bigger than, he's bigger like he's larger than life yeah. in the we, East Coast rap yeah, scene. We were talking earlier about how a personality can shape a, a performer, an artist. Biggie Smalls, notorious B.I.G., whatever the hell you want to call, like whatever you want to call him, is one of the most influential artists of all time. The beef that happened between him and Tupac revolutionized hip-hop forever yeah this idea of east coast west coast rivalries the idea that rap can be a platform to speak differences to speak your differences to put your opinions on paper put them on a microphone and have them read to the masses that whole idea nobody does that better than biggie in my opinion, life after death, which is a very, very ominous title, considering that the other album that I was thinking of putting also at this number great one artwork. I keep, called, I keep yeah. mentioning the artwork, but yeah. him with the hearse, like, it's... yeah. And, but the, the other one is called ready to die. 
ominous knowing what happened to Biggie, but the artwork for that's also iconic. Plain white background yeah. with a little with a baby Biggie on it. Yeah. Iconic with the hairbrush and the fro. Mm-hmm. What this is this is more of a Biggie and Tupac thing, but I I prefer Biggie out of the two of them. That in this album specifically, not only did it pay homage to the guy and the, his music and his artistry itself, but the way that it shaped what East Coast rap would be forever, and the way that we look at rap in like sectioned parts of America and the U.S. that shaped how the game was was worked like how it worked and how it is still working today so that's why my number one is ready is uh life after death by biggie smalls that's everything for this week i'd like to thank you guys for watching but also thanking greg and jacob for taking time out of their day to come on here and shoot the shit with me thanks for having us man yeah yeah so uh that's everything for this week uh thank you for listening and i'll talk to you next time